Thank you for tuning in into the New Life Church Downtown Podcast. If you would like to get connected, follow us on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock or email us at downtown.podcast at newlifechurch.tv. All right, all right. Good morning. How y'all doing? Y'all excited to be in church this morning? Okay, this section's excited to be in church this morning. Come on, are y'all excited to be in the house of God this morning? I am pumped to be back. That's right, back. Uh, I came up at this campus. Uh, my wife and I, Callie, were here. Callie's been here since day one. Any of y'all remember the car dealership days? That's right, Callie's been here from the beginning, and I moved here 10 years ago. Um, I moved here, I served in real life. We got any, anybody serving in real life? Any real life students? I had the most ragtag group of high school students that you will ever meet. I'm telling you, don't even try to compete with me, all right? I'm going to hold it down. We had some interesting uh, students at the time. Uh, I actually have my real-life pastor here with me. Uh, Daniel Brown came up from the downtown campus to hang out with us. So come on, y'all put your hands together for Daniel. He's doing a great job. And, uh, y'all, I'm just excited to be here. Your pastor is my pastor. Uh, pastor Rick and Michelle, they're, they're our pastors, and they've poured into us now for, for me 10 years. Callie, for how long, Callie? How long have you been coming here? All the years. All the years. And so Rick and Michelle and Pastor Darren and Pastor Bobby, uh, Uncle Bobby, if you know him well. Uh, Uncle Bobby, we, Callie and I lived in Hong Kong for a little bit, and Bobby was our pastor while we were there, and we'd connect over the phone, and we'd Skype, and, and Bobby gave me some good advice. Uh, some of it was a little bit too provocative for Sunday morning. Uh, can't, I, can't, I can't tell you that, but something that he did tell us that stuck with us all the way through our ministry is Bobby said, don't run from something, run to something. All right, that's for free this morning. That's from Bobby. That's Bobby advice. So if you're going through a hard season, don't run from it. Run towards something good that God has for you. And so we, we've tried to do that. When we came back from Hong Kong, we started a life group at the GLR campus. Uh, it was a young adults life group at the time, and it grew and it grew. And eventually they said, hey, maybe this should become a ministry. And so that became a ministry. And I think y'all got a young adults ministry here too. Got some young adults, a couple young adults in the house. I like it. And uh, eventually they asked us to come on staff. And so we did that for about four years, five years. And uh, this past year, we, we launched the downtown Little Rock location, which has been amazing. I just want to tell you, y'all, that is your fruit. Like, this was the original campus from New Life Church. It's still home for me, but we would not exist without your faithfulness in the church. And so I just want to thank you. Give yourselves a hand for what y'all have done, being generous. I'm just telling you, y'all, there are a lot of pastors out there who hold on to the pulpit from themselves and they don't empower other people. And the fact that Pastor Rick and Michelle would, would allow us to do this is, is pretty amazing. And so, y'all, I'm from downtown. Uh, downtown, we get a little rowdy. How you say rowdy? Uh, okay, so if you hear something you like, it's okay to say amen, all right? So somebody give me a little amen real quick. Amen. amen. Okay, you can say, I like that. You like that? Okay, that's good. That's good. That'll help me feel a little bit at home this morning. Did y'all bring your Bibles with you? Anybody bring their Bible? Y'all love the Word of God? You know this will help you if you read it, right? Um, I love the Word. If you got a paper Bible, wave it at me. Paper Bible, okay, I see you. I see you. All right, if you got an electronic Bible, shine that thing in my direction. Come on, okay, I know you got them. Get off Instagram. Let's jump in the Word a little bit. All right, I'm in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Verse 20. Matthew chapter 11, verse 20. I'm in the New Living Translation. Y'all know what the uh, best version of the Bible is? 
Undisputed. It's the one you read. So I'm in the New Living Translation, Matthew chapter 11, verse 20. It says this. There you go. Ferguson's with me. It says this. It says, Then Jesus began to denounce the towns where he had done so many of his miracles because they hadn't repented of their sins and turned to God. What sorrow awaits you, Chorazon and Bethsaida, for if the miracles I did in you had been done in wicked Tyre and Sidon, their people would have repented of their sins long ago, clothing themselves in burlap, throwing ashes on their head to show remorse. I tell you, Tyre and Sidon will be better off on Judgment's Day than you. Are you encouraged yet? Don't worry, it gets better. And you people of Capernaum, will you be honored in heaven? No. You will go down to the place of the dead. For if the miracles I did in you had been done in wicked Sodom, it would still be here today. I tell you, even Sodom will be better off on Judgment Day than you. Let's pray and we'll get out of here. God, thank you for this encouraging word that we just got. There's more. It says this. It says, at that time, Jesus prayed this prayer. Oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and revealing them to the childlike. It says, yes, Father, it pleased you to do this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me, and no one knows the Son except for the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those whom the Son chooses to reveal himself. Then Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you, what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. You all the title of my message this morning is more than I expected. Can we lean in and expect things from God this morning? Okay, let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that it's powerful and it's effective. And God, we thank you that it is not an irrelevant text, but God, it can help shape our lives today. God, we ask that you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, we want to hear from you. We want to hear from you this morning. God, our hearts are wide open. Speak to us, Lord, change us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Come on, everybody said, amen. 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 Well, hey, y'all, recently my wife and I have had the most amazing thing happen. We had our firstborn child, uh, baby girl. So they gave me a 30-minute timer. Uh, I've got exactly 30 minutes left. And so I've prepared a 30-minute slideshow of baby pictures over the last month. And uh, we're going to start Exhibit A, exiting the birth canal. Uh, Check this out. No, I'm kidding. Exhibit A, check this out. Y'all find me a cuter baby. I'll wait. Don't at me, okay? Show the next one. This is my wife, Callie, our baby girl, Georgia. Uh, I'm from Augusta, Georgia. I also named her Georgia because I'm hoping this is the year we win the national title. Come on, can I get him in? Any Georgia fans in the house? (laughs) Okay, any any non-Alabama fans in the house? Come on. Daniel, we're going to talk about this afterwards. I I really believe Georgia is our hope at bringing down the uh, evil empire known as Alabama. Uh, So you can cheer with them with me. Uh, But we're new parents, so you know what that means. We are not sleeping well. Uh, What I thought when everybody says you won't sleep is like that she'll cry all night. But she doesn't cry all night. She just makes enough noise where you never get into your REM cycle. And you know, like REM cycle is where you recover. And so last night, uh, I actually got to stay with some of the worship pastors in their guest room. And I got a full night's sleep. Praise Jesus, right? But here's what I've learned. At 3 a.m., 
When she does inevitably wake up and cry, because they will wake up, cry, and need to be fed, you will do whatever it takes to get her back to bed. You wake up, you're delirious, like you're tripping all over yourself, and you try to feed her, feed her the bottle, you know, then she's still crying, so you take her and you start walking around, holding her and bouncing her, so you do a Jericho walk around the house, hoping that she will just go back to sleep, and you're throwing everything in the kitchen sink out, and you're like, you want money? I got money, I don't know if you know about money yet, you want to drive my car, you can drive my car, Whatever it takes, you will give her to get her to go back to sleep, which I think we could all agree is uh, an okay parenting strategy for like the first month or so. But long term, if I keep doing that, I'm going to have a rotten child, right? I think we can all agree that at some point I'm going to have to start disciplining her, and that's going to be so difficult because she is just the most beautiful thing on planet Earth. But we're going to have to start leading her. We're going to have to start teaching her. I wonder if we're honest this morning. If there are times when we wish our relationship with God looks like it does right now for me with my one-month-old. Like, we cry, we ask God for stuff, and then he just gives it to us, right? Like, God, I need a new car. Boom, new car. God, I need a new job. Boom, new job, right? Like, we hope it works out like that. And I think earlier in your faith, you probably go through a time where you get a little bit discouraged because things aren't going exactly like you want them to. Anybody relate to that? Can I get an amen, somebody? I know I went through that. You know, when I first got saved, I grew up in the South, so you know what that means. I went to Sunday school, then I had church, then we had Sunday night church, then I had Wednesday night church, then we had Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and then we had retreats, and we had all those different things. And my relationship with Jesus became one where he wanted me to get to heaven, but I didn't necessarily believe that he wanted to get heaven in me. Now, I brought a little friend with me to help illustrate my point. <laughs> can you see this? See, I think sometimes, if we can be honest in church, can we be honest in church? I think sometimes our relationship with God looks a little bit like this. It's like, I'm going to heaven, that's good, okay, I'm living my daily life. Like, Jesus, that girl over there is pretty cute. Now, I know she's not a Christian, but like, are you cool? You cool if we date Jesus? Okay, <laughs> you're good with it, that sounds good. Okay, then you get a little bit older and you're like, you know, Jesus, you said you wanted me to live that abundant life, right? And I kind of want to go to France. I don't have the money right now, but I can get that credit card. Jesus, you're cool, right? If I get that credit card, I put this trip in my credit card. We'll worry about rent when we get back, right? He's cool. Sometimes, maybe you get to the place where things aren't going so great in your marriage, and you say, Jesus, you want me to be happy, right? You got that abundant life for me, right? So it's okay, maybe if I like skip out on this and I go towards something that's going to make me more happy. Or maybe you're in the workplace and you're not being totally honest, but you're like, Jesus, there's grace upon grace upon grace, right? Come on, let's be real. And y'all going, whoop, whoop, right? The youth. <laughs> Yo, I believe that if we're not careful, our relationship with Jesus can turn into one where we direct him instead of him directing us. And I know what happened to me in my life is that I was going through things. I believed that he had a long-term plan for me, but it meant nothing for the way that I was living my life. You see, I started walking with Jesus, or I would say I started believing that Jesus wanted to get me into heaven because hell sounded terrible, and I was like, there's a heaven option, sign me up for that, I'm down, okay? I was what I believed on the way to heaven, but I was living through hell on the way there, Right? I remember one night specifically, I was hanging out with a guy, and I had a drug problem. That's kind of my testimony is 
Uh, God saved me, pulled me out of this drug issue. But while I was in the depths of this issue, I was one night uh, smoking the devil's lettuce, as we say in church, right? Weed. Uh, it's bad. Uh, with a friend of mine, and, and he was like, we're talking about life, and he was like, bro, I'm an atheist. I was like, bro, it's like, you've got to go to heaven. You're going to hell, bro. We can pray right now and get you into heaven. And, you know, he wasn't interested. And I believe that it's because there was nothing in my life that he wanted. I was living the same life that he lived. Yo, a lot of times when we look at grace, we believe that it's just okay. We just keep living however we want to live, and that's grace. Yo, grace is that we can grow and we can change. And I think sometimes we vastly underestimate the power of Jesus to change our lives today. And so for me, I developed this drug problem. I had a painkiller addiction. But y'all, when I met the real Jesus, not this plastic bobblehead situation here, but I met the real Jesus, he transformed my life and he taught me a new way to live. And he got me on that path to abundant life. But it me meant that I had to change some things. Matthew Chapter 11, verse 20 says that Jesus began to denounce the towns where he'd done so many of his miracles because they hadn't repented of their sins and turned to God. Yo, I think one of the scariest things in life is that we could accept the miracle of long-term salvation and miss the blessing of day-to-day -day saving. We could accept the miracle of someday salvation but miss the miracle of day-to-day -day life change. You know, for baby girl, if there ever comes a day where I find her eating out of the garbage, <laughs> I'm going to say, baby girl, I got so much good food for you. I've got so much good stuff for you to eat. And I believe that sometimes in our relationship with Jesus, we settle for garbage when he has health in line for us. He came that we would have life. He designed us. He built us out of the clay, the scripture says. It says he breathed what? Life. He breathed life into us. Yo, I believe for so many of us, we go through life walking around on the road map of life without reference to the one who designed the map. And so what I want to submit to you today is maybe you're going through life without reference to your creator and you can make that shift today. It's not just about what happens in the long term, but I believe Jesus deeply cares about your life. I believe this text shows us that he deeply cares about how we live today. Y'all you know, believe that Jesus came not just to be Savior, but to be King. Not just to be Savior, to be King. Matthew eleven twenty five 25 through 27, it says that at that time Jesus prayed this prayer, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for re revealing it to the child. Like, yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except for the Father. No one truly knows the Father except for the Son and those whom the Son chooses to reveal Himself. Y'all, grace, it speaks to determine our worth and our position before God. But our view of who Jesus is will determine our experience of life. Jesus is our King. It's my first point this morning is as Christians, Jesus didn't just come to save, but to be Lord. And I've found that in His Lordship, I've found true saving. 
You know, if you do a study through Matthew chapter 10 and 11, we don't have time to go through all of it today. You know, when he first sent out the disciples, he said, come in, come in. So he got his boys together. He said, y'all, I'm about to send you out, and this is going to be easy, okay? You're going to go into each town. They're going to love you. They're going to roll out the red carpet for you. Everybody's going to get saved. Are y'all ready? That's not what he said. He said, you're going to go out. It's going to be difficult. People are going to oppose you. Don't assume that I've come to bring peace with the sword. Now, Jesus brings peace, right? So why would he say I've not come to bring peace with the sword, y'all? We need disruption in our lives. We need disruption in our lives, and so he brings the sword to disrupt things. I wonder if any of us are honest today. We need to make a change in our lives. Maybe you're a Jesus follower. Maybe you believe in Jesus. Maybe you don't believe in any of this. But here's what I want to tell you. He wants to disrupt your life and give you a whole new life. Daniel Brown preached last weekend at our campus. He said this. I think it was amazing. He said, Jesus didn't change my life. He gave me a new one. Y'all, that's my story. He came in. He gave me a brand new life. He gave me a new way of looking at the world. You know, Callie and I, we got to go on a date on Friday. Praise Jesus for grandparents, right? (laughs) Praise Jesus for grandparents. Uh, Lala and Pop, y'all know them as Sylvia and Mark Bizette. Uh, They're amazing. Uh, Lala, you can call her that. Uh, She runs the calendar here, and they were watching our our baby, so we could go out. We went to Pasta Grill, praise God, uh, here in Conway. Mm, I hear you. Y'all know. Jambalaya pasta. What's up? (laughs) Breadsticks. Oh, anyway, I digress. So, went out to Pasta Grill, and we like to try to take inventory. You know, sometimes we bring cards. We play two-person spades, all right? That's one of the Lord's games, spades. Love it. Uh, but this time we didn't, and we were just talking about, like, hey, how are you doing? Take an inventory. Ask Callie, how's she doing? You know, we've got the baby, and life has changed. How's your relationship with Jesus? And we started talking about this, and go with me here. If you squeeze an orange, what comes out? Orange juice. Squeeze an apple, what comes out? Okay, y'all, me and Callie have been getting squeezed a little bit, all right? We're not sleeping great. We don't know how to raise a kid, all right? So we're asking Rick and Michelle and Hunter and different people, how do we do this? We're getting squeezed. And what we found is what's coming out of us is frustration, short-temperedness at times, all right? Lack of compassion. Y'all, if you're getting squeezed and anger is coming out of you, irritability is coming out of you, that's what's in you. And so what we found is we need to get reconnected to Jesus. Here's what I want to tell you. If you're struggling with love and compassion, you don't need to try harder. You need to connect with Jesus. If you're struggling with joy, you're dealing with depression, you don't need to try harder. You need to connect with Jesus because he can transform your life. What we found is a lot of times I start thinking like, man, I just need to read more. I like to read. I just need to read more and I'll do better. I don't need to read more. I need to connect with Jesus. Read to find out more about how he would have me live. Sometimes we're like, we just need to turn on some positive hits, right? Positive radio. We don't need to turn on positive radio. We need to worship Jesus. Because as we ascribe worth to him, y'all, he will begin to tell us who we truly are and what his path is for us. I found that so often when I'm struggling, I start thinking of things that I need to do to get to God. You know, every world religion offers steps. If you study Buddhism, it's my time. I got a little bit more time than I did last service, so I'm going to give you a little bit more. If you study Buddhism, what happened is there was a prince, and this prince uh, was 
he, he, he was sheltered his whole life. He'd never seen sickness. He'd never seen pain. He'd never seen any of that. He just had a purely perfect life. And he left the palace one day and he walked out and he saw a sick person die. And he walked out the next day and he saw an elderly person struggling. He walked out the next day. He saw someone in poverty. It crushed him to see this pain. And so he ran off into the wilderness and he sat until he reached enlightenment. And people started to gather around him and he gave them four steps to enlightenment. Islam, they have the five pillars, five disciplines of Islam. Y'all, every other religion says, the teacher comes, he says, come to me and I'll show you what I've learned. I'll show you the steps that I've learned. Y'all, Christianity is the only religion where the good teacher says, come to me, I am the way. Every other religion says, come to me, I'll show you the way. Jesus says, come to me, I am the way. Come to me, I'll show you how to rest. Come to me, I'll show you how you were intended to live. Look what it says in verse 28 through 30. It says, then Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, because I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart. You'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear, and my burden is light. This Jesus will never be able to offer you that. And yo, what I found in my life, and what I came here to say to somebody today, is don't take the one that the scripture refers to as the Lion of Judah and turn him into the plastic bobblehead. The Lamb of God, the Root of Jesse, the one who was the pillar of fire by night, the pillar of cloud by day, the one who led the Israelites through the desert, the fourth man in the fiery furnace. He's come to lead us, he's come to bring us life. And so what I want to tell you today is don't settle for someday salvation because Jesus has come to make an impact on your life today. He has changed my life. Don't underestimate his ability to transform you. Don't underestimate your, his ability to transform you. Amen. That baby knows exactly what I'm talking about. Jesus is our king. Number two, people are our purpose. Y'all, Jesus came for people. Jesus came because he loves people, and we now have the same call. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28, the message says, are you tired, worn out, burn out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. I'll show you how to do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. You'll Notice this. He's speaking to a Jewish audience. What he's saying is you've had the yoke of keeping the law on your back and it's crushing you because you'll never be able to keep it. He's saying, come to me. I have fulfilled the law. Come to me. I'm the only perfect one who's kept it and I'll invite you into my rest. He actually says later on that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says that he'll give us our righteousness He'll give us his. It says, he made him who knew no sin to become sin in our behalf that we might become the what? The righteousness of God in him. We're gonna come back to that in a minute, but y'all, here's what I've learned is that in my life, I have never regretted investing into people. Jesus didn't come to build buildings. He didn't come to overtake nations. He came to save people. You know, there's a guy at our campus, he, he was serving with us in young adults ministry, 
uh, years ago. He had had an addiction, and we thought he was through that, and his wife called us and said, hey, he's messed up. And, uh, somebody needs to talk to him. So me and another guy sat down. We did an intervention. Uh, little pro tip for you if you ever do an intervention. If they sit there like this the whole time, it's not going well. It's not going great. So do this intervention, and we give him some steps and really challenged him, but I could tell he, he wasn't really listening. And so about six weeks later, two months later, something like that, I get a call from the wife, and I can't go into the details of exactly what happened, but they had had a, a real issue at the house. And at this point, a line had been crossed, and we had to get involved. And so me, and who's now my young adults pastor, Joe French, and who's now our middle school pastor, a guy named Sam Casso, and then Blake Polston. Do you all know Blake? He leads recovery ministry. What's up? Blake Polston fans. BP. Uh, went to this guy's house, and we said, hey, bro, like, I don't know what you're going to do, but you, 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 you can't stay here with your wife. Um, we think probably one or two things are going to happen. You're either going to go to jail or you may, you may end up, this may, this may kill you. And so we're, we're leaving. We're taking your wife. She was six months pregnant at the time. And uh, I really didn't, again, like, he was not responding super well. Uh, he was pretty high at the time, so I'll give him some slack on that. But uh, it just didn't seem like it was getting through to him. Then at the last minute, I literally told him, I was like, you got three minutes. I've set a timer. At the end of three minutes, we're leaving. And the last, like, ten seconds, he's like, okay, fine, I'll go with you. I don't think he had any food in the house. So he went with us, and I called Blake. I said, bro, this, not, this guy's not going to make it. I just know he's not going to make it. Y'all, this guy's name is Kenny Moselle. Today, he's two years sober. He's got a little boy who's a year and a half old. He's serving in our church. He's helping us with our ushers. He's helping with recovery ministry. You know, Jesus does not throw broken people away. Jesus came for those who are in so much trouble, they can't get out of it on their own. Jesus came for the poor. But here's a news flash for all of us. Y'all, we are all the poor that Jesus came for. The Beatitudes say, blessed are those who understand their poverty. Y'all, Jesus came to give us something we could never have for ourselves, and that is a perfect relationship with God. Not based on what we do, but based on what he does. He came for lost and hurting and broken people. And I wonder maybe if you were that lost and hurting broken person this morning. I'm here to tell you, your life is not over. Jesus is not going to throw you away. He has a plan. He has a purpose for your life, and he can change you. Maybe some of y'all are in here and you have people in your life that you've given up on. I was there. I didn't think Kenny was going to make it, but God. But Jesus had a plan, and he's transformed this guy's life, and I'm so proud of him. Y'all, can we give a hand to Jesus for what he's done in Kenny's life and so many others? He made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The theological term for this right there is us receiving his righteousness. It's called imputed righteousness. Say imputed righteousness. And what that basically means is that righteousness he deserved that we didn't deserve, we received. And I used to kind of leave it at that. And one time I was doing a word study on it. And as you read through this, it says that we're his ambassadors. We're the ambassadors of Jesus. So when it talks about us being the righteousness of God, y'all, the righteousness of God is that a perfect and holy God would come down from his throne in heaven to put our skin on, to put our flesh on, to walk around in our mats and to invite us into the life that he has planned for us. Y'all, that is the righteousness of God that we've been invited into. 
were a part of God's righteous plan to redeem this lost and hurting and broken world. And y'all, the vehicle that he uses for that is his church. You will never regret investment into the church. The best thing you can do with your life, hear me on this, the best thing you can do with your life is help build his local church. We are his vehicle. We are the plan A. There is no plan B, okay? It's us. And so here's my question to do to you is, what purpose has God given you? You know, maybe it's kids ministry. Maybe it's being a greeter. Maybe it's being an usher. Maybe it's being on the prayer team. Maybe it's leading a life group. You got any life group leaders in the house? Anybody in a life group? Come on, are you thankful for your leaders? It's not if God's called you, it's what has God called you to. God has a purpose and a plan for you. And my encouragement for you this morning is to find that purpose within his plan to reach people. So Jesus is our king. People are our purpose. Number three, heaven on earth is the goal. Heaven on earth is the goal. Uh, Y'all, I remember when I was younger, heaven was pretty like uh, out there for me to think about. Do y'all have any grandparents who had the cherub figurines? Maybe you still got them in your house. Uh, But it's a baby wearing a diaper. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Come on, y'all know? You guys seen these things? Uh, Pretty creepy. My grandma had them beside the guest bed growing up. And I used to think that's what heaven was, right? It's like, here's your diaper. You're a baby now. (laughs) You get to float on the clouds. I recently heard somebody saying that relationships are things that we'll bring with us into heaven. Um, You know, Jesus said to Peter, he said, what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. You know, the things that we do now will follow us into eternity. And I personally believe in a very real eternity. I don't believe it's some like ethereal spirit world. That's actually not the Christian hope. But I believe that it's something much more tangible. You know, recently I was watching, y'all seen these YouTube preachers, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? YouTube preachers. And I was actually on Instagram and this particular guy, like he's a little bit out there for me, uh, like uber, uber, uber charismatic and just kind of different. And so I'm not going to lie, I judged him a little bit, okay? So I was going to click on his video, and I was watching it to see what weird thing he was going to say. Don't judge me, okay? We all make mistakes, sinners in the house, not just me. Don't make me feel alone up here. But the question that was posed was, what will it look like when God really shows up? Or what will it look like when God's truly in charge? And I was really expecting this guy to be like, it's going to be so crazy, You know, we're not even going to know what to do with ourselves. Like, it's just going to be out of control. And I was waiting for this, right? So I'm like watching this. What's he going to say? Because that's usually the response. Here's what he said. It's one of the most profound things I've ever seen. He said, when God is truly in charge, kids will have healthy homes. When God is truly in charge, hungry people will have food to eat. When God is truly in charge, those who are suffering from mental illness will be healed. When God is truly in charge, communities will come together and will be what they were always meant to be. When God is truly in charge, our work will have full purpose. When God is truly in charge, he will heal this earth. Jesus did not just come to get you into heaven, although he did that. Jesus came to get heaven into you. Jesus came to bring heaven into this world. When Jesus came to earth 2,000 years ago, he brought the culture of heaven with him, and he invited us to build that with him. It's called the kingdom. Yo, we as God's church get to join in with bringing heaven to earth, heaven on earth 
is the goal. So my question to you is what could that look like in your life? You might be in here this morning, you're like, I'm not even a Jesus follower, but I want some of that. I believe that Jesus is the most attractional yet the most divisive leader who has ever lived. Why? Because he is God himself. And when we encounter him, we must change. But if we change, he will bring us more hope than we ever thought we could receive. You know, maybe you're in here today and you're like, Bronson, I'm just a normal, everyday person. Like, I drive a school bus, take trash out. Tell you about a couple everyday, ordinary, normal people in my life. A guy named Fitzhill, Dr. Fitzhill, the doctor of football, educational evangelist. Y'all know this guy? I call him the Doff. He calls himself grand coach to our baby. Uh, we work together downtown. Y'all, Fitz has started sixth grade football for kids who don't have healthy homes to go back to. It gives them something to do in the evening. He started a mentorship program through that. He helps us. We do something called Bring a Friend Weekend at our church where Fitz and his team, they fry catfish. So that team goes out, catch catfish, then once a month we fry that catfish. Recently, somebody's donated a van, so they're de developing a transportation team so people who can't get to church, who don't have transportation, can get to church. He's a football coach, and God is using him to do incredible things in our city. There's another guy named Drew Davis. He started something called the Arkansas Dream Center. Drew came out of this church as well, right here in Conway. Drew is an accountant. If you meet him, you'll understand. Drew is an accountant. I can rip on him because we work together. Y'all, Drew, they're feeding thousands of kids every year. They've got after-school programs where they're reaching these kids. They're giving them a hope and a future. His everyday ordinary life. But God, God involves and we start to see heaven breaking out in the spheres that he walks in. What does heaven breaking out in your world look like? It might look like you have an integrity at work, but not being one of those judgmental, like I tell the truth, this person cusses a lot, right? That's not the type of Christian we need. The world needs Christians who love them where they're at and tell them about a God who loves them when the time comes. There's another girl named Jess Malta. Jess had an abortion. In high school, she carried tons of shame. Today, she runs a women's recovery home where women who are hurting can come in and find hope. She's just an everyday, ordinary person who God's doing extraordinary things through. Another guy named Blake Polson, we talked about him earlier. He's got a little fan club in this section right here. What's up? They're gonna get both hands up, I love it. Blake just started a men's recovery house for guys who are going through addiction, going through the same stuff that he went through. Y'all, Jesus is our king. And if Jesus is our king, then people are our purpose. And if Jesus is our king and people are our purpose, then heaven on earth is not only the goal, but it's something we can fight for and we can see. Everything's not gonna be perfect and often that discourages us, y'all. But we can't do everything, but we can do something. I'm believing to see heaven break out in my city. I don't know about you. I'm believing to see heaven break out in Little Rock, Arkansas. I'm believing to see heaven break out here in Conway, Arkansas. I'm believing that families are gonna be healed, that addicts are gonna be set free, that those who are suffering are gonna receive peace and that they might build a relationship with their creator. Amen. Hey guys, Pastor Bronson here. Just wanna say thank you for listening in. Our hope and our prayer is that this podcast equips you on your walk, your journey with Jesus. And so please like, subscribe, share, help us spread the word. We love you.